0: Welcome to Sustainable Business Fridays. I'm your host, Katie Elman. Sustainable Business Fridays is the first podcast of its kind, bringing together students in Bard College's MBA in Sustainability program with leaders in business, sustainability, finance, not-for-profits, social entrepreneurship, and more. Twice monthly, these conversations go live via iTunes and Google Play. This week, I'm joined by second year Bard MBA student, Amy Campbell-Bogie. And we're speaking with Wendy Gordon, co-founder and CEO of Pips Rewards. I would like to start with Amy, actually. If Amy, you could tell us a little bit about yourself, your interest in the MBA program, and also one of the, or some of the reasons why you were interested
1: in speaking with Wendy. My interest area in terms of my career and my current research is focused a lot around um, local economies and connecting with people on a local level to encourage them to make more values based decisions. to that end, I'm interested in Wendy's work with Pips because, and her whole career, because so much of what she's done has been about connecting with people and encouraging them to make decisions based on their values, whether it's uh, with regards to their children or families um, or their lives, health, and well-being. Um, so I'm excited to hear more about what Wendy's done, and uh, we'll just jump right in. So Wendy, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to PIPS.
2: Okay. Um, yeah. Well, so I'm uh, 59, and I uh, so I and I have been in the nonprofit environmental uh, space for most of my um, adult life. Um, most recently, though, I I did start this social enterprise, a certified B Corp, uh, which is the Positive Impact Points PIPs Rewards uh, program that you speak about. Um, but getting to that point, um, I was I I was drawn to environmental nonprofit as a, a college kid, um, and got my master's in environmental health. My first job was at the Natural Resources Defense Council. I was focusing primarily on uh, water pollution, hazardous waste, toxic contamination. Um, And actually, if you may recall, the 80s uh, was the the 70s and 80s when I was in college in the 70s was the time of Lois Gibbs and Love Canal and Erin Brockovich. And um, so it was that the the exposure to chemicals uh, that we faced in our communities was becoming uh, A parent and um, uh, very very scary. Um, so that was I cut my teeth on on those projects and uh, so community engagement in um, response to these hazards in our water, in our air, coming into our houses. Um, it, that it, it just it moved me and that inspired me. Um, I had two children, two boys in the late 80s, um, and on my return from my second maternity leave, so this was 88, um, uh, the late summer of 88, um, I walked in from my maternity leave at the same time that Meryl Streep was walking into the National Resources Defense Council. She had just done a movie. Uh, she was filming in Australia, and it was the summer when the ozone hole was discovered over um, Australia. So she kind of got religion. She came to NRDC um, offering her help. Um, And so we got together and started working on something called Mothers and Others for a a Livable Planet. And it was a community organizing, a parent organizing um, project at the time at NRDC the original focus was on pesticides in the diet of children. So on apples, in applesauce, um, on bananas, in in all our fruits and vegetables, we are, uh, pesticides are allowed at certain levels. And it was NRDC had determined that those levels, which were considered safe, were actually not safe for young kids. So so we rallied uh, parents at that time, um, 89 basically was when we got started. And it became a real movement of concerned parents around these environmental health issues. So, you know, once again, I I just I've I've been very very concerned about these exposures um, in our lives. And and but a positive-minded person, I I I'm an action-oriented person. So um, from the beginning, Mothers and Others was about trying to. Uh, problem solve in our daily lives. What could we do? Um, how could we organize? How could we come together as a group and ask the supermarket to provide us healthier choices? Um, and we did. So that's actually how mothers and mothers functioned. We we saw a problem. We organized. And, you know, we didn't storm the supermarket. But as as shoppers there, we would go and say, you know, our, our kid loves apple juice or applesauce and, and eats just a, a bucket loads of it, and um could you please offer um a healthier choice one that was either organic or made locally and um with you know with fewer pesticides and sure enough, actually. Far more responsively, you know, re- responsively, far more quickly, the supermarket would respond to the consumer um, than we found Congress or uh, the regulatory system would work. So, so that's a, that's what we did all through the 90s. By this point, um, we ran these shoppers' campaigns, and we also produced this awesome two-page factable newsletter called the Green Guide. Um, which two pages was what we figured somebody could read as they're taking the bus to work or boiling water for tea. Um, They'd read the problem and would provide very reasonable, very realistic, very practical solutions that they could do in their daily life. Um, That ultimately was acquired. It it was turned into a digital magazine, and National Geographic acquired it. But um, all through these years, I was trying to kind of figure out ways to help people make decisions in their daily life that would um, enhance the quality of their lives, their family lives, their communities. Um, And so then fast forward, it's now 2012, and I'm meeting a friend for lunch, a college friend actually, so it's 30 some odd years later. Uh, He had just sold an impact investing firm, and so he's always been interested in how to move corporate behavior, and I'd still been kind of a muddling along, how to how to move consumers, and so we started talking about what what are what are the new what what are what are the better tricks what are the better strategies for the more effective strategies for moving people for impacting behavior, um, and so we did a lot of research starting in 2012, and we met some really great people who are now <clears throat> excuse me part of our. Um, tech team um, they're they're really the co-founders and um, so we looked at games, um, game mechanics uh, we we looked at rewards uh, rewards and games are two of the most powerful drivers of behavior change. and then we also knew that we were sitting on this, this you know this right new technology that was able to track behaviors better than ever before. so so we came up with this uh, rewards engagement platform um, so it's a tech product and it's called uh, pips rewards, positive impact points but pips rewards we now are we have a web platform that's what we started with but then we've um, now added an iphone app and we're soon to have an android version as well and quite simply it combines smart tech so it, it connects up to trackable devices tracking devices and trackable behaviors um, and then it applies these behavioral strategies, uh, basically games and rewards, in order to steer people towards and prompt them to make uh, smarter, healthier, everyday choices. And we do think, uh, you know, it's brand spanking new, but we have done some um, experiments and we still consider ourselves in the experimental stage. But we are finding interest now among some really exciting uh, partner groups, um, institutions that have their own kind of community, universities, for example, um, employee employers who have who are very interested in workplace wellness. Um, and then um, another interesting possibility is around fan engagement. So at sports and musical events, fan engagement in um, uh, it, it, environmental and positive impact behaviors. So we do drive uh, local engagement as well as, you know, tech engagement. So it's there's lots of different behaviors that we can be prompting. Um, so it's been fun. It's very
1: fun. So that's where we are now. Fantastic. Um, can you sort of walk us through what the user experience would be like if someone were using the Pips Rewards platform? Yeah, yeah, sure. So there's two kinds
2: of ways that you can enter, or, or two, uh, yes. Yeah. so there's a user experience that exists for everybody, um, and I'll give you an example of that. Uh, so we, it's, it's a free app, it's Pips Rewards um, in the App Store, the Apple App Store. Um, and so you, you register, It opens up, and the first thing you see is that there are these check-in rewards. Um, So, because you see a map of your, of right where you are, Um, and it's the map is loaded up with all these pips, these little points, Um, and and a pip actually. There's multiple definitions of a PIP, which have a lot of uh, relevance to to this. And so, one actually, it's the radar blip on a, on a map um, is it is in fact called a PIP. So, so there, there there are all these PIPs on your on your map in your local area, and each one represents a check-in location. Um, and we're so it's a little like Foursquare in this particular functionality. Um, uh, so. But not like Foursquare in that we're not just tied up to a um, brick-and-mortar store, though we are in many cases. But we might, we might, you might be able to check in at the entrance to a park or at a playground, or when you're walking by the Empire State Building, because all these places um, have a story to tell, and so. We tell a little story, it's not long, but then we associate it with a reward. And so what we, we're, we're trying to do is kind of put the good in good deals. And so the example of the playground, um, you're you're in a playground with your small children and there's a check-in reward opportunity pops up on your phone. Um, and it says, you know, check in now to receive this great uh, promotion from um Olin Organics, and they they're this cool new company, a women led business. Um, it's all organic baby clothes, and they're they're like a Netflix model. So uh, you get a bundle for your zero to three month old, and then you return that bundle um, to back to Olin Organics and then they send you the next uh, uh, bundle. so so it's a really cool, very sort of low impact. Uh, kind of company, and that's exactly the kind of company that we're trying to promote. So, so we we are serving many many partners as a kind of geo marketing platform. Um, there's lots of other features on the app, um, including basic earn opportunities. Basic all the redemption opportunities we have are all right there. We have donation opportunities as well. So you can donate your your pips. They turn their, we turn them into cash. Uh, to lots of different organizations, so it's all about the the platform is all about um, 360 degrees of good. You you earn them for making better choices, and then you use them um, in good ways as well. So so it's 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 a very fun, very easy to use, very light um, uh, platform. Um, now that so that's for the general user, and everybody can be a user. There's there's no. Uh, cost to accessing it. Um, we are also, though, working with businesses who want to run a fitness challenge that we've created. That again uses our platform. So then it's then you you essentially register for the platform just like you would if you're a regular user. But then you put in a code to say that I'm part of business X Y Z and um, I'm going to play the game that they're sponsoring. For, for three months and and it's a really fun game um where you're um, uh, you're you're assigned to a team within your office, and um everybody is rewarded for walking, but they they risk losing uh, points if they don't walk a certain minimum they can earn bonus points for improving or they can lose bonus points if they fall off their improvement curve so again, it's just creating a game combining smart tech with games and rewards. And there's leaderboards to show how the teams are doing, how you're doing. Um, it's all about rewarding improvement um, and making it fun. And again, these reward points are valued and you can use them in our catalog to make donations or to make purchases of beneficial brands. So so we do have partnerships where uh, groups uh kind of all enter at one time and play an exclusive game that's not available to everybody but once they've played that game then they're you know part of the growing community of uh pictures we like to call them so so there's lots of ways to enter but but the platform is available to the universe
1: and it sounds a lot like the rewards function as a currency is that right yeah the reward yeah the the rewards are the
2: currency, yes. But I what we are finding is that engaging in positive behavior, um, be, positive behaviors, and we're not the first ones to figure this out. This, there's good research on this, that, that there is an intrinsic uh, reward uh, to these uh, behaviors. Um, and so what we're finding, even with the case of the students that we hope to be working with, Um, There's evidence to suggest that um, engaging in sustainability behaviors on and around campus or in your daily life um, makes you feel more purposeful, makes you feel more valued, makes you feel more part of a a community. Um, And so there's that, even though there is then this extrinsic reward that's associated with it, there's also tremendous intrinsic Reward that that comes to so we're we're playing with both of those um, and trying to find you know a good balance that really does tip the
1: scales. And you mentioned driving sustainability-oriented behaviors. There, what sort of sustainability impact is the Pips Rewards program hoping to have?
2: Yeah. See, we're actually we're pretty broad in the, and and so as long as a behavior can be trackable, um, we uh, can we hope to be able to move it forward. So, in the case of uh, student behavior uh, on campus that are sort uh, of quote unquote sustainability behaviors or positive impact behaviors. Um, we did some focus groups with students and what they were interested in was being rewarded for riding the bus to school as opposed to driving their own car. Um, they wanted to um, be rewarded for volunteering for um, helping uh, the, this particular group of students had had an opportunity to uh, be certified to do energy audits and water audits in um, homes, uh, low-income housing, um, and then they would actually uh, provide advice on how to uh, uh, reduce your water footprint and your energy footprint at home. So, so that that was a volunteer program that the school organized, and they thought that would be something that they would like to earn points for, be credited for, essentially. So, so there, it runs the gamut, and we, they, we, they also felt that there were certain shopping choices that they made or going to a fitness class that they felt could be, um, rewardable. So it's, it's a fairly broad set of, um, opportunities that we feel as long as they can be tracked, they could be rewarded. We could work with a city and, uh, people or, or, or an employer. Uh, you know, I mentioned the fitness challenge that we see that as something that employers would want to, um, run, um, because it, it fits right into their uh, their own desire to deepen engagement and wellness behaviors that improve productivity, drive down sick days, may ultimately reduce their health care premiums. Um, another another thing that we would love to do would be to encourage turn into a game carpooling um which i i think again employers might value a great deal because um we a lot of lost productivity due to uh, people sitting in traffic jams. Um, cities may be interested in this platform because we could track uh, cars that uh, the, that go into the most congested part of town, and we could reward those drivers that park outside the congested part of town or use the city bikes or the you know a bicycle bike sharing programs. So there's as long as we can track the behavior, it can be rewarded. So it's kind of fun um, looking at the different sort of behaviors that different institutions, different groups say, this is going to help us improve the quality of life um, here, or this is going to help us drive down costs there, or um, this is going to help students become better aware of what sort of behaviors really do improve on the environment, improve health, so it's, it's, we are, we are broad. We think of the environment, we look at mind and body, and we look at community behaviors. So, um, but our lens is, our sort of, just that little tiny thing you have to get through is we, we, the behavior has to be tracked. We can't, we can't reward you if you promise to turn out the lights or if you promise that you're going to walk to work that day. It, there has to be a something to
1: track it. Great. And shifting gears a little bit here, I know that a lot of my fellow students are very interested in the promise of this sort of technology and the fact that we basically all walk around with computers in our pockets all the time now. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering if you would be willing to share some of the challenges of starting up a platform like this.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I'm, yes. For, for one, this, I, I suppose you might say this is a more complex platform than a lot of apps that are um, on the drawing board or being developed uh, but we we did that deliberately um, partly and it's partly because of my experience over 30 years in trying to educate and engage consumers in making choices by primarily through sharing information with them and information alone is just not enough so um, it's it, 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 we. I did happen upon two incredible tech people. I'm I'm not a tech person though. I was a publisher of a um, digital magazine, so I'm familiar with content um, online and developing web magazines and so forth. So so I I knew my way around the front end as they call it, but. Um, I don't do coding and things like that. So, so you do want to find kindred spirits um, that understand your the mission, the vision, the, lar- the larger goal. You know, the, this was a social enterprise from the beginning. There was absolutely no question about that. And you know, there there's a lot of great um, groups now, networks, uh, tech for good kinds of networks, games for good. Um, and so uh, we did spend two years, two plus years, just meeting people, talking, uh, you know, at every end of the, or every imaginable kind of business. So we, you know, we did, we talked to people at Amex and uh, frequent flyer mile programs to understand the nature of, of sort of a rewards program. Um, we went to these games for good conferences and and so i I think learning <laughs> just putting yourself in a high learning curve kind of situation is is the key um it's It's not easy to start a business, and i in some ways, even though you know i'm I'm aware. Thing, being a 59-year-old white woman in the tech world um, with a startup. But um, on the other hand, there's a certain wisdom and, re- and a little bit of resources that come as a as an older person. So I had a little bit more of a sense of, I'm going to take my time and do this right. So, so a younger person may feel a little more urgency, um, and I would probably advise you know, take it slow and do, and really do your homework, do your research beforehand, um, and just talk, talk and listen as much as you possibly can. Um, It's fun. It's totally fun. And I would encourage anybody who's interested in developing a platform for good to go for it. Um, But it's it's really important just to keep your ears open and to meet as many people as you can and, and be willing to uh, massage the idea, pivot as they call it. (laughs) And, and just, yeah, just, just see how that idea kind of works in a variety of different places and with different people. Um, Because if you do want it to be a marketable, product, and you want to have lots of users, you want to change the world, it's got to be something that people want um, and kind of can't live without. So, and yeah,
1: so those are kind of big business questions you have to ask yourself. Fantastic advice. Thank you. As you mentioned, you have been working in this space for a long time with regards to trying to connect with people around personal values-based decision-making, would you be willing to share some ideas of what you think resonates with people in terms of the type of rhetoric and tone and language to actually uh, encourage them to make those decisions? Yeah, that's a fascinating question.
2: And, you know, I, I have been in the space for a long time. And I do remember back, this is a a lot of, you know, a lot of history repeats itself. And, and, you know, any first time parent uh, is, or there's, there's doors, uh, there's moments in everybody's life, whether it's your first child, or your first apartment, or, or your retirement, there there are these moments when, when you are actually much more open to uh, changing. So, so that's, that's an, those are interesting moments at which to get at people. But you ask about the language, and I remember back in the late 80s when we were just launching the Mothers and Others, and we were, and then in the early 90s creating this screen Guide. But we did a lot of publishing even in those those couple of years, and then certainly thereafter. Um, and we chose not to use words like environment, <laughs> which which I maybe it's a little bit less. Of a problem now, but an environmentalist was a bad word, or you know, it just was, you know, oh, you're a goody goody, you're crunchy granola, you know, so it just it turned people off. People weren't listening. So things like health matter. That that's something that resonates uh, well with uh, with parents in particular, um, but with you know most people. Um, health, uh, children's health. We we focused a lot on the environmental threats that affect our children most. So, um, and we did, we we tried to get practical. You know, we called our newsletter this two-page faxable newsletter, which then turned into a digital magazine and National Geographic acquires it. We focused on practical stuff and we focused on um budget minded stuff, even though these were we were talking about the biggest, most difficult challenges climate change et cetera, but we rarely spoke in hyperbole, we really spoke about things that you could we broke things down um you know that actually is that comes straight out of uh mainstream media you know you think of red book and women's world daily or you know what what, what women's wear daily they they'd always give you the top ten list or the top three things we we would break things down into what the what you can do um so people do they they want know they want to know that there's a problem, but they're more inclined and this was just my my experience they were much more inclined. If you didn't numb them with fear, uh but you gave them practical tips that they really could implement on their budget in their busy lives, et cetera so virtually everything we did was about reducing the what do you call it so making things friction free making things seamless and certainly now in a tech age um that was that was foremost on our mind was to what's going to, we want to get them to that click. We want to get them to press that button and to press the next button and to make it fun. So so these kind of social things, um, that's all about sh- sharing is about engagement. And so you're looking for words, you're looking for terms that are going to make people active, make people feel empowered. So uh, I, we, we try hard to avoid uh Uh, doom and gloom
1: kind of stuff. And you mentioned working with new parents. Are there is that a leverage point, do you think, or sort of a higher impact point in people's lives? Or are there other times or places that you try to reach them?
2: Yeah, parents was very much uh, the the target audience for this organization called Mothers and Others for a Livable Planet, (laughs) which Meryl Streep and I uh, founded. So so the, with a name like mothers and others you basically are the parents are your audience. So uh but it was we we came to that name because um we it, we did have an understanding that that the having babies ha, ha, being a parent having young children suddenly your time horizon shifts. Um uh, from your own time horizon to your child's time horizon, and then your even your grandchildren. So it is a turning point in your in your life, um, like no other. So I I still think that parents, young parents, um, or parents of young children are a very very important audience, um, and are powerful drivers. They are they are making de- huge decisions. Um, on a daily basis um, around product choices, neighborhoods, you know, ha- how they live, the quality of the environment that they want um, to uh, present to their kids. Um, so they're, they're an awesome audience for change. Um, everybody talks about, and I do think that the um, millennials and also these, you know, college-age kids, which I guess are Gen Zs, um, it is to me um and i to me my impression is they are ever more mindful ever more concerned about uh climate change um because it is in their time horizon it is not some it is no longer a theoretical it is going to be when they are having children it is going to be affecting where they live and um affecting how food is produced and and um, affecting sea levels and uh, affecting uh, floods and droughts and all these kind of things. So they are they're they're panicking and I they are right to do so. So that is another target group. Um, and I do think again you don't want to numb people. You don't want to make them feel oh my god this is way beyond me. You want to figure out ways in which they can feel. Empowered. Um, an interesting uh, uh, opportunity, maybe on the horizon. So, just a few weeks ago, President Obama um, had um, the head of the NHL, National Hockey League, um, and the Green Sports Alliance, um, among others, to the White House, and they announced the first Green Sports Day. And the point of this Green Sports Day and the point of this announcement was to uh, engage and encourage the sports industry uh, to be a leader around um, climate change and to help drive down um, our collective footprint uh, 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 um, and affect climate change improvement. So fascinating, but in fact, the the sports industry is embracing um, this opportunity they the green sports Alliance represents hundreds of teams, leagues, and venues, not only in the u s but around the uh, world and all and their fan base so there again there's this huge opportunity where an industry recognizes the it, the impact of climate change on their sports. You know, think about skiing, but you can also think about a lot of other sports um, that are affected by climate change. So they're going whole hog. They are all in. The NHL is a big leader, but so are the other uh, sports leagues in um, reducing their own footprint Um Going totally net zero on waste and energy and water use, and um it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating and this call to action uh this green sports day is is hopefully going to be an opportunity for those the sports industry to also engage their fans um so that's that those are people in all different age demographics um but it's it's a lot of kids too so uh so i'm i'm hoping actually that our platform might be useful to them as well so, so <laughs> yes there it's i guess my challenge is at the, i'm talking to myself here but uh my challenge is to keep that focus i think a good business leader needs to be very
1: very disciplined so at the bard mba in sustainability a lot of what we do is try to think of how business can lead the change and shift culture towards more sustainable behaviors. Mm-hmm. Do you have any final words of wisdom or advice for future leaders in that field?
2: Oh, well, <laughs> it may be now more than ever, right? Oh, we just had this election. Uh, and I don't mean to get political on us, but I have been thinking hard on the fact that we need business more than ever to step up and say, we're not going backwards. We, w- Whether they unwind and unravel all the uh, improvements that Obama made, the industry it, it, industry must lead and they can lead and they often are the leaders. They're the ones that are out front making the changes. Government is typically not the leader. So we need more and more businesses to be outspoken about their commitment to um, a, a climate-changing world and that they are going to do their part to drive down their footprint in every aspect of their of their work. So it it is an imperative that every business Every business take that big, bold step to be a leader, to be an outspoken leader, um, and I think they can. I'm I'm a, I'm on the board of the Rainforest Alliance, and once again, I saw I I don't know if you are familiar with that organization, but it's a fascinating organization. That um, they implement the Forest Stewardship Council certification program. They they implement um, uh, the Rainforest Alliance certification for um, agricultural products from um, the rainforest, so coffee, cocoa, palm, um, and a, a variety, a, a wide variety of banana, all kinds of things. And but it was quite fascinating. Industry stepped up. It was not a consumer-driven campaign as much as industry saying, "We we recognize that." You know, I'll give you Unilever is one of the more obvious ones, but. They they make a lot of tea. They sell a lot of tea. <laughs> well, so tea it could be affected significantly in East Africa and other parts of the world um, if there's uh, climate-related uh, changes to the water supply. And so they are they have a 30-year, 50-year time horizon, and they they're concerned. They 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 see what's coming. So they they stepped up. They said, we want to go through a certification pro- process. We want to learn how to um, help those farmers um, do a better job, be more e- efficient with their resources, and create a product that's mindful of the future uh, um, and more sustainable. So they Rainforest Alliance now certifies hundreds and hundreds of businesses. Um, all throughout the supply chain, um, they have certified millions of hectares of, of uh, managed uh, cropland and forests. And it's it's amazing uh, what has gone on, all led by responsible businesses. So um,
1: now is the time. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us this morning. and sharing some of your experiences and insights Um, and I wish you the best of luck with the Pips Rewards program and please do keep us posted as it moves forward I'm curious to see how it grows yeah thanks no it's a pleasure to talk with you
2: and I'd love to keep up the conversation
0: you can learn more about Pips by visiting pipsrewards.com Join us for the next Sustainable Business Fridays, where we'll be speaking with Danielle Vogel, founder of Glenn's Garden Market. BARD MBA in Sustainability. Lead the change. Learn more at bard.edu.